in Ephesians, it's always a great thing to look. It shows us some things about the church and the family, how things work together. Um, isn't it amazing how, you know, God's Word has directives. It has things that He wants us to learn and that He gave this to us. Um, the more I read it, the more I just reading and just soaking it in. I just, I just, it's just awesome. I've read it a thousand times, but I'm going to read a thousand and one and a thousand and two. I just keep reading. I'm like, wow, yeah, I remember that, but it ties here and ties there. And, and so in Ephesians chapter 5, um, there it talks some things about the women and the wives. Ephesians 5, 33, it says this, However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. We've already talked about that. And the wife must respect her husband. That's what we're talking about today is respect. Um, so respecting your husband and realizing that um, there might even be some times of waiting. And then we're going to look at a lady named Sarah. Um, so respect. What does that respect mean? It means you having regard for, you esteem. You're actually, it's a way of treating and a way of thinking about something or someone. So um, you may ask yourself, well, you know, you know my, my husband, you know, I love him dearly, but he doesn't really do those things, special things like you said, he doesn't leave the notes on the window, he doesn't deposit those coins. And so how am I supposed to respect this guy when he's not really adhering to God's Word? Well, if you sometimes might just read the Word, adhere the Word, and treat him as a king, and then you go back, I want you to go back today to that first time you saw him. All right? The first time you saw him. What was it that attracted you to that guy? No, I have no idea. I wasn't there. But what was it? Think about it. What was it that attracted you to that guy? Was it the way he had his mustache or his goatee? Or was it the way he handled the situation? Or was it that he said something real suave? Or was it just something he, he bought your meal or, or he knocked on your door? I don't know what it was, but go back and revisit that and then realize, yeah, he's changed, hopefully for the better. But if not, then go back to that time and maybe even talk about it and treat him like a king. Respect. I mean, Sarah... When she was there with Abraham, I went through there and read several times the things in the life that they went through. We'll get there in a few minutes. But this respect, how are the ladies supposed to respect their husbands and hold them in high regard? Well, here's four practical ways. How about you just let us fail a little bit? How about you just let us fail? Guess what? Last time I checked, I'm human. Us guys are human. Last time I checked. I mean, we're not perfect. Now, we know, we know you ladies have got it going on. But us guys, we fail a lot. We, we try, and we just fail. So give us a little leeway and allow us to fail. And allow us to realize um, that we're human. And how about maybe letting God be the enforcer? I don't know, sometimes my wife, she tries to change me by doing certain things. And I always surround to her and say, you're not the Holy Ghost. And boy, she don't like that either. And so, but, but in all reality, sometimes mamas are trying to change the daddies. And the daddies just ain't doing too well. Well, 
why don't you just let God be God and you guys work on the relationship. And if you need some counseling, go there. If you need to get in the Word of God, go there. If you need to go out on a date, go there. But the main thing is you're doing things together. So let us fail and realize the Holy Spirit is involved. So go to Him. And how about this? How about you, that man that you want him to be? So like I said, you go back to what he was like when you first got dating and honor that and at any level. And maybe you'll watch rise to a new level as you go there and treat him as a king. How about you cover his faults and you focus on his strengths? Um, how about you maybe you give us some compliments along the way? I'll never forget, it's been a couple of years now, I was in the other room. I don't think she knew I was even there in the house. But I heard her on the phone, the wife, she was talking to somebody, and she was complimenting me. And I was walking around going, all right. I was like, keep coming. Keep it coming. I mean, she was saying to somebody that I handled something some certain way. Can't even remember what it was. But I thought, wow, I really like that. I like that. Who doesn't like to be pat on the back, right? Who doesn't like that? Well, why not? Find something he does good. I don't care if, it's, if he just puts the dog food in the tray right. Then that's a good job. You did a great job. That was awesome. Good job. Or I don't care what it is. Find one thing each day and give him a compliment. Matter of fact, you may want to just touch his shoulder too a little bit like, honey, that was awesome. Whoa, hey, hey, look at that. I mean, look, she come. And imagine that. You know, of course, he's already loving you. Of course, we already got through that process. But, um, making sure you realize that you're complimenting your husband. You're respecting him. You're, you're verbally giving him some affirmation. And I do realize there are sometimes are some complaints. And so, you know, sometimes we go on date day, which we do every Monday. Um, it's date day. It's not complaint day. It's not days to take care of problems. It's days to just get in the car, enjoy a meal, watch a movie or watch the ducks at the pond or whatever it is, and we're just loving each other. Is there problems? Absolutely. Is there things we got to work through? Absolutely. But not today. Not for these four hours. It's me and you. It's just you telling me how, how awesome I am. And I'm telling you how beautiful you are. And you just compliment me. I mean, you're like, whatever. Uh, what, what, where are you at? What planet are you on? Well, I'm on planet Earth here in Fort Worth, and it happens every Monday when I get home from work. At, at 1 o'clock, we rev it up. We, we get our sweet little snack at the house, and we get in the car, and we head to QT. That's where we head to. First thing, QT. Or maybe I'll head to, to, to get her tea there at the old, you know, the old Chicken Express, and then we get together. What do you want to do? Well, we have errands. Okay, let's do a few errands. Let's knock a few things out. And then, you know, we look at each other. Well, a few times. And it's just nice. It's just nice to know that you set aside some time. And to know that the wife that you've chosen is actually going to compliment you. But, okay, there are going to be times where you have complaints. So, okay, so choose a time. There are complaints. And do the sandwich effect. Who don't like sandwiches, right? Two pieces of bread and some meat in between. So what you're going to do is you're going to have a compliment at the beginning. Man, I like the way you fixed that air conditioner. I slept so good last night. You know, by the way, um, my car's on the brink. It doesn't run real good, and I sure would like to get that fixed. It's been a month now, and um, not so sure, borrowing the car thing back and forth. 
I really need this car fixed. And by the way, I so love you. Man, I just love you so much. You see how you kind of slid it in there? Yeah, I know. You're like, whatever. Um, we do that in small group. We talk about the sandwich thing. They're all like, yeah, here we go again. You know, I say, oh, man, you're doing such a great job. You know, and, then, and then I spank him a little bit, and then I come back, and, man, you're doing a great job. It's the, it's the, who doesn't like to have their, pat, their, their backs patted a little bit and give them some compliments? And so verbally, men respond to that. Okay, ladies? Men respond to that. Um, how about maybe, you know, there's no, there's no sarcasm, no nagging. You're like, what is that? You ever done that? You, you thought, yeah, I'm just going to get that thing done, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nag him to death and he gets it done. Well, that's just, to me, I just want to run out of the house and, and, and run down the street and go away for a while. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't like that. But um, so how about you compliment more than you do the other? And, of course, there's times for constructive criticism, and I get that. Um, how about you appeal to his intelligence? How about maybe um, you ask him, yeah, you ask him, like, how, how, how do you do this? Or, or, or there's something that's broken, and can you fix that? And, and, and appeal to, because guys like to fix things, right? They like to fix things. And so, and so um, ask questions so that we'll go and fix something, and then come back and compliment us on what we just got fixed. Why not? That's a great thing. And how about maybe respecting him physically? How about maybe you give him and say, you know what, honey? Give me three of your top needs. And when he tells them, you take care of every three needs, all three of them. Wouldn't that be awesome? I wrote mine down. And later on, we're driving home, I'm going to show her my three needs right here. All right, kid. And so, um, and why not? Why not? Do we not have, who have don't, don't we have needs? Anybody here have needs? Yeah, we all have needs. And so um, mine are different than yours, and men's are different than women's. Um, and so, you know, we talked about, about, you know, loving the wife, and the wife likes affection, the wife likes all kinds of different things. And so make sure you take care of all those things. But guess what? Guys have needs too. We have, you know, we think a little bit different than ladies do. You know, we're, we're like they say, you know, we're the waffle and you're the spaghetti, right? We've heard that before, right? You're, we're the waffles and the girls are spaghetti. You know, girls. They're all intertwined. We say one thing, and they're all just, I mean, it's all messed up. I mean, it's all, I mean, it's like spaghetti. You can't ever get it straightened out again. It's all just like this, you know. And for us guys, it's, it's a waffle. We just, you know, we get a problem. Okay, here it is. All right, good. I got that. All right. Oh, this thing here. Okay. It's no big deal. We don't even think about the other box anymore. It's like it's, like it's oh, I forgot it was even there. I forgot we had the problem. I forgot, you know, like, oh, my gosh. The girls are like, oh, my gosh, I'm, what are we going to do? Let's just meet for coffee. I'm like, oh, get some, so, and oh, my, oh, and I'm like, uh, what did we just talk about? I told you, I don't even remember what you just said, and so, fresh uh, my memory. Oh, yeah, I get that, and so, right, we're like that, and so, our needs, we have needs, and so, maybe have them write down those three needs or verbalize them, and then just fulfill those needs, whatever they might be. Wow, wouldn't that be awesome? Treating us like kings. Wouldn't that be great? That would be awesome. Um, why not? Why not? It sure would go a long way. And so um, how about this? Um, you know, body language is, is pretty. Do you like using body language? You, you ever roll the eyes? You know, who's ever done that, right? You know, right? How about, how about forget the rolling the eyes? You know, forget that. Just, just, you know, or, the, or, the, or the, you know, the, 
you know, you do the arm thing, you know, or you slam a door. No one here would ever slam doors. We don't, we don't do that here. But um, how about the body language um, would line up with your heart and line up with the word and line up and realize, hey, you know what? You love this guy. I mean, you married this guy. You went down the altar uh, or wherever it was or maybe went to JP. I don't know. But you looked at him and said, I want you to be my husband for the rest of my life. That's kind of a long time, isn't it? Abraham was 175 when he died. I'm thinking, wow. Can you imagine me with somebody for 175 years? Of course, Sarah died when she was 127 or was it 136? Anyway, she died earlier. How about this? How about having some grace for your husband? Grace releases and affirms. It does it, it, you know, it actually, it actually smothers and takes care of things. Grace values the dignity of individuals. Grace supports and encourages. It's not jealous or suspicious. How about a little dash of grace? Well, let's look today at a lady named Sarah and see how she dealt with this respecting the husband. How did she respect the husband? How did Abraham and Sarah work through things? in God's Word. From Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis chapter 25, that's a lot of material, right? How did Sarah manage and do this respecting? How did she highly esteem Abraham? What did she do? Now, we have to understand from the God's Word that this is Jewish thought is a little different than our Western thought. Eastern thought is a lot different than Western thought. So as you read through there, realize some things that transpire, like when Sarah called Abraham master, right? You wouldn't want to call your husband master, right? That wouldn't go very well in your house. Um, although I said to my wife the other day, she's like, whatever. You know, I'm like, what are you supposed to call me master? And she's like, whatever. She gave me the Z thing, right? And so, um, but as you look there, she's more or less saying, you know, treating him as a king, and, and really in our terms would be like calling him sir. And so if you kind of water it down for a Western thought. But looking here in Genesis chapter 12, and as we look through this today, we are going to end up um, with the thought of waiting. Because what happened was Abraham and Sarah were given a promise. And so they had this promise. And it only took, 25 years to be fulfilled. Now, that seems like a long time, doesn't it? 25 years? That's a long time to us. But let's take a look at chapter 12 and realize, um, how did Sarah approach this being a wife thing and treating her husband as a king and loving on him and realize they had a promise? Now, God's Word is full of promises, about 7,000-plus promises in God's Word. So let's take a look here and see what was happening um, here in the book of Genesis. Hold, hold your finger there if you'd like to look too, just as Hebrews recaps what's going on here. It says in Hebrews 6.15, it says, And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Abraham received, why? Because he waited patiently. Um, he was patient for 25 years. Here's the call of Abraham in chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, 
your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Have you ever taken your wife, packed up everything, and moved? I'm talking move to another state. How about move to another country? Wow. We just left from here to Cleveland, Ohio, and um, that was a rough time because I took her away from family. I took her away from, I mean, when I married her, she stayed in the same house, 19 years, she's in the same house, same room, same place. And when we got married, then I we married, and then we moved a few years later to Ohio. Can you imagine moving? God's telling this family, pack your bags, move from the Ur of the Chaldees, which had a map, all the way up to Haran and over. I want you to go and leave, which is a thousand miles from here to there, and another thousand miles down. I mean, so they, they moved far, far away. I don't know about you, but sometimes wives don't respond well when you move them far, far away. I mean, there's no ranch-style beans in Cleveland, Ohio. Grandma and Papa had to bring up ranch-style. They brought me a big old case of them. They brought, it came around. Good to see you. Get the beans. <laughs> right? I mean, so it's kind of like, wow. I mean, so here is this woman who has been transplanted, and she left with him and because they're husband and wife. And it says in verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I'll curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What a sevenfold promise there. What a great promise. And they're they're thinking to themselves, we are going to be so blessed. But wait a second. How is this going to happen? Because... Sarah is barren. She can't have kids. So how is this going to happen? So they get this promise, and Abraham's 75. I believe Sarah's 65 or so. So they get this promise, and so verse 4, they left, and the Lord told him, and Lot, they went with him. Abram was 75. When they set out for Haran, he took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the positions they had, and they left for the land and so they arrive there. Now, as you go through there, you see they arrive there. They get there. There's some issues there. There's famine. They leave, and they go to Egypt. They get to Egypt, get close to Egypt, and he tells his wife, he says, hey, Sarah, we're headed into Egypt. Now, they're going to realize how beautiful you are. So would you just tell them that you're my sister? That way, they won't kill me, because back in those days, they say, kill. okay, we've got the wife, right? They took the, they took the, the pretty women to take so she said, no problem, because really she was his, what, half-sister. So they got there, and that's what she did. She honored Abraham by telling them, you know, that's my brother. So therefore, they blessed him because of that relationship. And of course, later on, they find out that that's actually their husband and wife, and they have to leave, but they were blessed through that. So she honored him, respected him, and did as he asked her to do. So what a great thing to be able to have a wife that will go with you, that will listen to your advice, and to be carried along as you go through life's journey. So here's this promise that is given. And now the years start clicking, right? And so now he has some issues with Lot, and that happens there. You move on. Um, He takes 318 men because they came in and took away all the people from Sodom and, and 
and Abraham comes and attacks and gets him everybody back, and now he's okay. And then chapter 15, you know, now in chapter 15, I believe Abraham is how old? He's now 86 years old. It's been 11 years. 11 years has passed. Look what Abraham, he started to get a little, you know, agitated or um, because he believes God. He's, he's a little, maybe a little fearful, like, okay, it's been 11 years, and we don't have a son. We don't have any way to carry out this promise of being a great nation because in order to be a great nation, you have to have children, right? To build a nation, you need people. And so they're going, it's me and you, babe. I've got you, babe. That's all I've got. That's all we've got, babe. It's like, what? And so he's getting a little weary and a little worried. Um, have you ever been anxious before? It even affects you physically. Um, so here, Abraham, it says, after this, the word of the Lord came to him in chapter 15, verse 1, to him in a dream. It says, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, and I am your very great reward. I love Abraham said to God, uh, well, I understand that. That's good. But what can you give me since I remain childless? I have this, this, um, this one child that's hanging around. He's, he's not really my child. He's just kind of Eliezer. He's here in my household, and he's going to become the heir. Surely that's not what you want. He asks the Lord. And of course, the Lord's like, I already gave you the promise. So he reaffirms it. He says, the word of the Lord came to him, verse 4, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He told him to look up at the heavens and count the stars. Have you ever done that before? Count the stars? That's what you need to do tonight. Take your husband out, treat him like a king, and just get out in your car and just count the stars. Just you and her just out there with the teacup open and just enjoying the night. Yeah, wouldn't it be great? Yeah, just, there they are, 1, 2, 3, 100, 200, 400, 500. And just lean over and give her a little kiss and just keep counting. Right? And that would be awesome. Why not? Why are we so busy? Did we forget about our husbands and wives? Did we forget why we first came to them? Did we forget how we first met? Well, here they are, and he's counting, and the Lord's reminding him, look, I told you I have a promise. I told you it will come true. It's 11 years later. Sometimes we get weary, don't we? We get weary. I've, I've got this guy I've been married to 20 years, and he does the same thing. He won't change. I tell him to put this over here. He doesn't. I tell him to get this over here. I just wish. I just wish he would... How about you compliment on something else? And of course, you kind of clean this up a little bit and help him along. And, and then maybe he might eventually do pick that up. I don't know. Maybe he will. I mean, he just feels like, you'll get that today. I'm gonna, I don't know. Try it out. Treat like a king for a day. See how it works. Or a month. So here they are. He's looking up. He gets reaffirmed. Verse 6, Abraham believed the Lord and he Credited to him as what? As righteousness. That's the first time here in Scripture that those two things go together. What a great thing the Lord said.
as he reveals that throughout Scripture. But here they are, 11 years later, and still no child. Now verse 16. Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant. Uh-oh. Now Sarah's having some second thoughts. Who doesn't have second thoughts, right? Who doesn't have second thoughts like, I don't know, um, no kids. I know what. I have this Hagar. She's my maidservant. I'll give her to my husband as a wife, because they did it back then, and then she can have children for us. That's the way to do it. We always want to help God out, don't we? Because, you know, God's he's so far away, and he's not very powerful. You know, we went through this before a couple weeks ago. He's not very powerful. He can only do a few things. And so, no, the Lord is all-powerful, all-knowing. I'm downplaying it a little bit. So she decides to give him Hagar. He accepts. They have a child. And now there's problems, right? Because now there's the two ladies in the house. She has a child. She doesn't. Can you see the little thing going on here? And, and they kind of looked at each other like at dinner time one time, and there was issues at the dinner table. Not a good thing. So there's problems. Well, this child's growing up, and, you know, so they're going through these things, and still no child. Still no child. And these people are nomadic. They're, they move around quite a bit. Um, so there's anxiety in the ranks. There's Hagar's been given. Now there's a child going on here, but still, Sarah, no child. Well, look at 17, 17. Chapter 7, it says, Abram fell face down, and he laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Now God comes back again and says, Look, I promised you a child, and now... He's almost 98, 99 years old and still no child. And Abram actually laughed. I, you know, I didn't even realize that Abram laughed. We always hear Sarah laugh in the tent, right? Sarah laughed in the tent. Abraham laughed too. wonder what's so funny, Abraham. Well, maybe he just chuckled or maybe it's, I don't know what was in his heart, but he laughed. And so he fell face down. Will a son be born to a man a hundred? Maybe he's thinking, okay, this is just funny. I'm a hundred, all right? My wife's 90-something, and I've never seen a wife, I've never seen a woman not give, a, can you imagine, have you ever had news? 90-year-old woman gives birth to a son. I can't, are you kidding me? I mean, things aren't happening there. Her body's dried up. There's no way to have pregnancy. Huh, but God. Right? Maybe you've been living with this guy for, for 25 years, but God. Right? You keep praying, but God. You keep believing, but God. You keep praying, but God. He's always right there. He's always with you. He always what? He wants you the best for you. You're the head, not the tail. But you don't own my husband. No, I don't. Well, maybe I do. <laughs> but not really. That's why I like spending time with you guys. We go out camping together, and we go spend time together. We go fishing together. Why? Because then we get to know each other, and we help each other. I mean, I can't tell you at times that guys in my small group have helped me, and they're like, James, how about this or that? They've helped me. And so we help each other as we take care of each other. So here they are. There's still no child, but God's like, look, I told you, I told you. So he laughs. And will Sarah bear a child? Abraham said to God, 
if only Ishmael might live under my blessing. Well, that's the other son that they talk about that Hagar had. Uh, yes, but your wife, Sarah, will bear a son, and you will call him Isaac. What's Isaac mean? Laughter, right? Laughter. Sometimes it's just funny to sit back after the years and go, you know, I've been waiting, I've been waiting, been waiting, and they finally have this child. They finally had the child, and God provided, and she became pregnant. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. What do I do, Pastor James, with this guy? What do I do? Because even Abraham waited 25 years. And matter of fact, Isaac, his son, had to wait 20 years to have a child. And then Jacob had to wait 20 years. Why does it seem like all these patriarchs had to wait 20-plus years for blessings to hit their family? You ever seen that? 25 years for Abraham. 20 years for Isaac, his son. 20 years for Jacob, Isaac's son. That's a long time, would you not? So what do I do, Pastor James, while I'm waiting? Okay, I'm treating him as a king. I'm doing what you said to do, respect him. He loves me, put some coins in. But still, you know, we have these battles. What do I do? How do I, how do I, what are you, what are you waiting on the Lord for? Are you waiting for direction? Are you waiting for open doors? Are you waiting to make, things, maybe God make things a little clearer for me. God, are you waiting for supply, the needs and resources that I need? I mean, I'm waiting, Father. I'm looking. I, I, I am waiting patiently. Actually, the word wait means to twist or stretch, tension, eagerness, expectation. Um, you're gathering together. So there's that, there's that, there's that, yeah, there is that little bit of anxiety and stretch and that you're waiting patiently. And Abraham did that. Many others in God's word waited too. Jacob waited, David waited, Isaiah waited, Jeremiah waited, Micah waited, Simeon. They all waited, 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 some for years. So what do I do? Well, how about you grow in your faith during those 25 years? How about you take care of you? How about you get in God's word? How about you believe like Abraham did? I believe God's word. How about you call to him and say, you know what? I'm going to list down my requests. Have you wrote them down? I write all my things down. Father, I want my wife to be like this. Father, I want you to do like this. Father, I need these resources. And I lay it out before the Lord. I literally lay it out on the table. I'll never forget years ago when I was like, I mean, I was so far in debt. I mean, I had, I mean, it was terrible. And I, and I had this issue going on, this issue. I, lay, I had it all laid out on the kitchen table. I can still see myself, all on the kitchen table. And I said, here it is, Father. Here it is. Here's your problem. It just didn't happen overnight. It took seven years for me to get out of debt. It's a long time. And it's taken years for other things that transpire, and we're still waiting on other things to transpire as well. Isn't God good, though? Because realize that God is not slow in his promises. Well, to us it seems like it's not, though. It is so swift. He's taking care of business. And so I, you can call to him, list your needs. How about you wait quietly? I don't know about you, but the more I'm in office areas and spaces, people like to talk. Anybody here like to talk? They just like, 
They just talk about just talk. They just talk about stuff. I'm going, I, I, you know what you're talking about? You're just talking. How about maybe we just wait patiently but quietly? That means you're not sharing all these situations and problems because sometimes some people may not be able to handle certain things, you say. Maybe you just need to be quiet and let the Lord work in your life. There's a scripture in Lamentations that says, it is good to wait quietly before the Lord. Well, how about this one? Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. By soaring like eagles, while waiting, we gain perspective of a situation. They'll run and not grow weary. You gain more strength to push through those things that you've been dreading. <laughs> yeah. We'll walk and not think. He whispers reassurance to you. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord. To wait. He'll give you what? Steel in your bones. So prepare your heart. Learn all you can about the Lord. Learn all you can. Watch for His activity. Stay active, meaning do the things the Word of God says to do. Love your wife. Love your neighbor. Don't, you know, judge nobody. I mean, do those things every day. Do that while you wait. Listen for His voice. Other times Christians are saying things. Listen to those things as well, as long as it lines up with God's Word. And it also gives you time to possibly heal from some past hurts. Because we've all been hurt before. And then pray without ceasing. Do that. Call out to Him. So Sarah was obedient. She left home willingly. She dealt with anxiety, but yet still treated her husband with due respect. And she was submissive time in and time out. So today, what should we do? Ladies, today's a new day. So today is your day to continue to respect your husbands, to take care of your families. And let's read James 1 as we depart today and realize that there's some wisdom that the book of James has for us today. James 1, verse 2. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, it develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Guess what? When you walk through those waiting years and you put your trust in the Lord, and you treat him as a king, and he's loving you like he needs to be loving you, and your children are lining up with the word of God, and sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but you're doing your very best. The Lord blesses that, and he gives you peace of mind. He gives you wisdom, and you become mature in the faith, and then you're able to share with somebody else what you've been through, because that's what it's all about, is passing it along to the next generation. You must. You must sit down with your kids. You must sit down with your wife. 
you must pass it along to those young guys and gals in our church and those the Lord's put in your path. You ever thought about it? Why is your house the house in the neighborhood where everybody comes to? That's not our house. Maybe your house. I remember the house I always used to go to in my neighborhood. Why did I always go there? Because they had the supply. 